Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 2, Term 4. These are the last two lessons. This is Lesson 35 that we're beginning with. And we are in John chapter 3 and verse 15. Jesus has been having a conversation with Nicodemus. And um, we've got to the stage where Jesus now says to Nicodemus that whoever believes in Him, that is the Son of Man. In fact, let's start in verse 14. Um, He says, And as Moses lift up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Verse 15, That whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Amen? And so, we have now come basically to the crux of the Gospel. R. Kent Hughes writes, Nicodemus had asked, How can this be? How does the new birth happen? And our Lord answered in a way that Nicodemus would never forget. I do not think Nicodemus understood very much at that time, although he knew Jesus' illustration was from the Old Testament. But after our Lord was crucified, he put it all together. For it was Nicodemus who, along with Josephus of Arimathea, came to the Jewish leaders and claimed the Lord's body. Then he understood. Now, as to what Jesus actually said to Nicodemus in this verse, we first have John MacArthur explaining that eternal life refers not only to eternal quantity, but divine quality of life. This life for believers in the Lord Jesus is experienced before heaven is reached. It is the life of God in every believer, yet not fully manifested until the resurrection. Now we'll talk about that in just a minute. But let me just go over some of these things here. First of all, notice that eternal life, I like the way John MacArthur puts it, he says it's not only eternal quantity, but divine quality. Amen? So it's not only eternal in its length, but the quality of life is God's very own life that we've been given. Amen? And it it is the highest form and type of life that there is. And this life for believers in the Lord Jesus is experienced before heaven is reached. And I think it's really important that we understand that as well. This is a life for us now. A lot of people say, oh, we know when we get to heaven, it'll all be good. Well, sweetheart, yeah, it's going to be good, and we're not going to need very much when we get up there, because it's not going to have a devil there, and we're not going to have any problems there, and we're not going to have sickness or disease or anything. Amen? It's down here that we need His life. It's down here that we need His power. It's down here that we need to be engaged in warfare, so to speak, which is the reason why we're doing spiritual warfare as well. Now, the other thing that I want to look at here is that this life of God is, in fact, in every believer. You know, sometimes you feel like it's in some and not in others. You know, when you look at some people and they're always complaining or they're always like, oh, you know, let me tell you what went wrong this week and oh, I've got this pain and that, this and, and you know, and I'm not talking about elderly people, okay? I'm talking about young people that just, you just look at it and say, come on, man, just straighten up, grow a spine, you know, what the heck, all right? And this is really important that we understand. Now, one of the things I think that is also a problem is that people aren't taught that this life is in them. It is something that, you know, we, so much of the time, because we are looking at the world, 
Um, we, 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 we emulate them. And so we kind of look at them and go, oh, oh yeah, you know, it's Blue Monday. So everybody feels down. And so that kind of gets on you. And it kind of makes you feel down too. And so I had to really go pray about it. And I said, God, you really need to talk to me about what to do about this. Because as much as it says that, you know, do everything you can to get along with people. You know, I'm trying to say Paul says that, okay, in different words. But you know what I'm saying. All right. At the same time, we can't allow our confession to cause us to start spiraling down with them. Amen. We, we need to be the one that puts a hand down, reaches up, and pulls them up. Not us join them down there. Amen. And so, I've, I, I really had to pray about how to approach that and what to say. And can I just say this? For each person, it will be different. For each of you, depending on where you are and who you're dealing with, you need to find a unique response to that. Can I say that? Because I don't want to say, well, I said this, because then that's what I said, and I don't want you to be going and doing that to everybody else. You know, uh, there was a time when, you know, anything Kenneth Copeland said, I said. Oh, dear God, I shouldn't have said half those things. That was for him. That's not for me. And then there's Jesse Duplantis. Don't say half the things he says, because he can get away with it, because he's funny. You, they will slap in the face. Punch your lights out, you know? It's just, God needs to move through you in a very unique way based on who you are and also the situation that you're in. So allow Him to do that. Amen? And be careful how you um, advise people as well. Because they are not you. So we, we need to display this life. We need to allow this life to come out. And we need to allow it to come out through us in the way that we can manifest it the best. Amen? You know, for a musician, it might be singing. For a person that cooks, it might be cakes. I don't know. You know each person according to their giftings. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay. Now, he also makes mention of the fact that he says it is the life of God in every believer, yet not fully manifested until the resurrection. Now, this is Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. It says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to or be like His glorious body. Amen? So, that's coming. That's on its way. But can I say this? We should be getting so close to that, there's almost not any difference between where we were and where we need to get to. At the end. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay, because Jesus died and paid a price to restore us fully. Did you hear what I said? It was a full restoration. He died for not a partial restoration. We don't always think about it in those terms, but I want you to think about that now. What part of the curse did He not pay for? He did it all. That's why it was such a horrific price. And it saddens me that we, we look at the price that was paid, we make such a big deal out of the price that was paid, and fair enough. It was huge. But can we just do the same on the other side now? Because it was such a massive price, can we see that it was a massive result that he was looking for? He was looking for an equally high return. Can we get amen on that one? Do you, you hear what I'm saying? And so, as much as he paid the price, as much as he suffered, he wanted us to walk in that level of glory and that level of blessing. Amen. And regardless of what our bodies went through, and regardless of the, the curse that came into the dust of the ground and everything else, Jesus did something really interesting 
Alright, he was still born under the Old Testament. You've got to remember that he's still in the Old Testament. When he came and he spoke and he did all these things, he hadn't died yet. New Testament is after his death. It's AD, not BC, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so, so it's, it's after his death. So everything before his death was still Old Testament. So for him to be able to go up the mountain and shine like the noonday sun was something very significant. Because he was in a body... That was human. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? Okay? And he said, you are the light of the world. It's very interesting, whenever he said something, he showed it. He says, I'm the bread of life, and he feeds everybody. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life, and he raises the dead. Do you understand? Every time he says something, he'll demonstrate it. And it's not something that's just, oh well, he was just speaking hypothetically and spiritually. And He always did something physical to say, don't take what I'm saying as just a spiritual thing and leave it at that. It is natural as much as it's spiritual. It begins in the spirit, but it has a natural outworking. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Amen? That's why when he stood on the mountain and said, Whoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed. Everybody says, Oh yes, God's talking about the mountains in your life. Oh, the problems you're having. Yeah, yes, and that mountain. When we look at the end times, and we'll have to look at the end times, because it's all about Jesus as well. Okay, So, it's a topic I always try to stay clear from, because there's so many differing opinions. But, when we look at end times, you are going to find that it is that mountain that his feet hit when he comes back, which splits, and this ocean comes out from it. You know, when he said, cast into the ocean, he literally meant that. That mountain is going to sink into the ocean. Okay, I'll, I'll, we'll go through all the geography of that when we get to it. But whatever he said had a literal meaning. Amen? And we need to see and do the same. Alright? So you need to understand, as much as our lowly bodies are going to be transformed in the end, whether we like it or not, hallelujah, and thank you Jesus, <laughs> okay? Alright? There is a promise on this side of that, that also allows us to get so close, that it will be very difficult to see a difference. How do you know that? Because Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. And that's not just spiritually glorious. When he was on the mountaintop, he actually, that was his glory shining. Do you understand? Amen? So we need to shine on the inside and on the outside. And the time will come, I believe, that some believers will start walking in that. Is it going to be us? I hope so. But if it's not somebody else who come and do it, it's our choice. Do we want to get in on that or not? I don't know. All right. Further to this, In his commentary, Leon Morris says that the life that Christians possess is not in any sense independent of Christ. It is a life that is hidden with Christ in God. Amen? So we need to understand that all those people out there that are alternate religions, and say, we are God, and we are all that. We don't need God, we are God in ourselves, and hello. Uh, You know what? You need this redemption. You need the price paid. You can't pay the price. You don't get a get-out-of-jail-free card just because you decide you want one. Do you all hear what I'm saying? Amen? Somebody had to pay a price. 
And God isn't going to say, oh yeah, for your alternate religion and style and everything, let's just let you go free, don't worry about it. Not happening. Amen? Do you hear what I'm saying? And so we need to understand that, again, comes back to what Jesus did on the cross. The price that He paid. It paid for us to walk in all sorts of blessings. Amen? And we need to understand that it is not apart from Him, it is in Him. Amen? Alright. In fact, the Apostle Paul is very specific when he says in Galatians 2.20, somebody's favorite verse, I have been crucified with Christ... It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Amen? This is one of the verses that really got me through my time when I first got saved. And I was having all kinds of problems and situations in my life. And I kept going back to this verse. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. I realized that I have gone through the crucifixion with Him. In Him I have been crucified. Do you understand? And because of that, then I can live His life and enjoy His blessings. And it was a thing that just helped me get through all of the things that I couldn't do in my life. Because uh, I feel sorry for my parents. You know, they had to really put up with a lot with me. Uh, there was a lot of things I couldn't do. There was very little I could do. I had a great imagination, but I could do nothing. I'd imagine a lot, but I wouldn't do much. And, you know, it was frustrating. Some of the teachers would say to my dad, uh, I still remember him telling me, he said, your teachers keep telling the same thing. If he puts his mind to it, he can do anything, but he just doesn't. What do you do with that, you know? <laughs> and uh, and uh, my dad always just believed in me. He, he just really did. He, he would, I would say, I want to do this match, and, and the teachers would say, no, we can't let you in there because it's too high and you're not going to handle it. And he'll come and say, let him do whatever he wants. And they're going, no, no, but he's not smart enough. Go, I don't care, just let him do it. You want a note, I'll write you a note. Is that what you need? <laughs> you know, dad, you just, just take no for an aunt, you know. Anyway, so, <laughs> so he would just allow me to do that. And yeah, I struggle like crazy for some things. But that I was allowed to do it. And that I would move forward and would keep going back to this verse. I'm crucified with Him. I'm, it's no longer my life. I can do this. And I had to change my whole mindset from I can't to I can. Amen? And of course the other one was, I can do all things through Christ and strengthens me. And also, that I have the mind of Christ. That was huge for me when I first learned of it. I thought, oh thank God it's not mine. Because mine is not doing so well. But if it's His, it'll work. And I had confidence in that. And literally, something physical happened in my head. I'm, I'm not kidding. Something physical, I would get headaches for a while. Because, and I realized now my brain was literally rewiring itself. You know your brain does that when it's little? When you're growing up, it actually wires up, connects up. And after a certain age, it's meant to be like that. But hallelujah, thank you Jesus. For us, it's whenever you want it. Amen? And literally rewired. And I, I know something happened physically because I was able to look, and look at and do things that I literally couldn't do before. It's like trying to lift a car and you couldn't and then one day you're actually lifting it. You, you know what I'm trying to say? Like something actually happens that you physically can tell something is different about you. Amen? So I'm just telling you, this stuff is real. 
When, when, when he talks about Jesus, the transfiguration that we're talking about, the eternal life that he promises us, it is real, it is in us, it just needs to be accessed and used. And the more we access it and the more we use it, the more we'll start to walk in the fullness of the blessing. I have come to give you life and life to the full. I want that. That's this church, man. I want everybody in this church to live a full life. I'm not talking about a full party life. I'm, t- okay? I'm talking about a life that is full of blessing, full of power, full of promise, full of hope, full of faith, full of results. I mean, it just doesn't end. Full of excellence. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? Amen. Okay. D.A. Carson summarizes it all and says, Here then is the frankest answer to Nicodemus' question. How can this happen? First, the kingdom of God is seen or entered. Second, new birth is experienced. Third, eternal life begins through the saving crosswork of Christ received by faith. Amen? Amen. Let me, let me take a moment. One of the biggest problems that we're having is the kingdom of God is not seen. A lot of people are getting saved, but they're not seeing heaven. They're not getting a sense of eternity. They're not getting a sense of this is just temporary. There is somewhere we're heading to, to that is actually energizing us now. Do you understand the transfer? Do you understand what I just said? There is a place that we're heading to that is energizing us now. If we don't keep our eyes on that, then we are not going to receive the strength, the power that we need to walk this life and fulfill what that kingdom needs us to fulfill. Did you get that? Because when we lose sight of heaven, then we lose sight of what we're down here to do. And then, you know, especially at funerals, you know, when somebody passes away, we look at them and think, oh, that's really sad. We don't see them, like somebody once said, being promoted to glory. Dude, they're doing better than you now. Okay? They're in a much better place. It's not some hypothetical, you know, blah, blah. It is real. In fact, it is the, the realm that created this one. It is more real. It is more alive. It is more vibrant than you could ever imagine. And I so want to talk about heaven right now. Anyway, (laughs) let me just take a moment and just say this. So many people that have been there, you know one of the things, just one of the things that they say is the colors are so incredible. And they say, when you come down here, everything looks dirty. That's the only word they can use. It's like all the colors down here are tainted. The colors up there are just, you know why? Do you know what it is? It's not the color itself. It's the life that is in the color. Do you understand? Here there is death in color. Everything is dead here. Because the earth went under, under a curse. So the life went out of everything. So instead of a leaf looking green and a live green, I mean having like a glow green, it is just green. But when you get to heaven, it glows green. Do you get the difference? Amen? And so that's why they can't tell. That they, they don't know how to explain it. So they say, well, it's, it's just so much nicer up there. Well, that's what it is. Everything has the life of God in it. 
Amen. Back to Jesus on the mountaintop. Everything in heaven looks like that. It's just, it just glows. It's just beautiful. Everything you touch has life in it. Amen. So it imparts life. And it's life to life. Hallelujah. Anyway, back to this. That's eternal life. Get it? Okay. That's in you. So, we need to see that kingdom. Second, of course, the new birth. We need to experience the new birth. Be careful when somebody says, I got converted six years ago. Yeah, you might have converted in your brain, but did you have an experience? Were you born again? Some people are just converted. Be careful when they say they convert. Now, some of them, when they converted, they actually got born again. Okay, they became a new creation. Hallelujah, praise God. And that's the only way they know how to say it. So don't get upset with them if they say, use that term. Don't worry about it. I'm just saying be careful if they use that term, all right, and they seem a little bit mm, hinky, you know, just a little bit wonkitated, you know, just not all there. You know what I'm trying to say? Just, just you kind of look at it and go, did you get saved? You know, you just, you know, they talk the talk, but you know, they just, everything is a bit off. Have you ever noticed that? Some, some people just, everything is just a bit off. And then you say, you know, you don't know what to say. You kind of, you don't want to ask him, are you really a Christian? You know, they slap you. You know, you can't do that. You can't go there. You know? <laughs> don't do that, by the way. Okay, but you know, you just, I know of an individual that said that to me once and said, oh, I was converted and blah, blah, blah. And you know, inside of me, I just felt the Lord saying he was converted, but he was never born again. He just changed his mind. He didn't have a recreation take place. And everything that he's doing now, he's trying to work out in his head, and he's getting it all wrong, because this is spiritually discerned. First the spirit, then the mind. Not the mind, then the spirit. It doesn't work that way. Amen? Okay. All right. And of course, third, eternal life begins, okay, because of what Jesus did. And it's received by faith. It needs to be received by faith. Amen. There is no, you don't get a little document that floats down with a little, little seal and a stamp and a signature from God saying, yep, okay, you're in. Okay, we get that when we get citizenship down here, but in heaven, it's by faith. Amen. All right. Following verse 15 comes the most famous and the most precious of all Bible passages, John 3.16, which Martin Luther describes as the gospel in miniature. I really like that. And where Jesus reveals God's heart and purpose and His infinite love for all humanity. When He says, and this is Jesus is speaking, for God so loved the world that He gets... You know, that's an extraordinary thought in itself. Because up to then... People were always looking at God as someone that was always mad. The vengeance of God. The wrath of God. Who knows what I'm talking about? You know, they just have this view of God that is he's just, you know, he sucks on lemons all day. He's got this gnarly look and he's, you know, always looks constipated or whatever. And, you know, he just does not want to bless you at all. He's looking for anything that you do wrong so he can slap you up the side of the head. Are you all here? That is not God. So Jesus says, hang on. That's not who God is. For God so loved the world. And we'll talk about each one of these things. 
Alright, and he says that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It is so sad that every church will use this scripture to get people saved, but they will not use this scripture for the rest of all their sermons. Because half of the stuff they preach doesn't fit into this. Think about that for a minute. Hey man, don't get people saved on one verse and then preach against it for the rest of the time that they're there. Don't say, God so loved you. Did all this. Okay, so now God's going to come on you and God's testing you and He killed your cat and He's killing these people and He made, you know, He put that sickness on you because He's... Don't do that, man. You just preach for God so loved. That's a twisted weird love. That's messed up. People go to jail for that kind of love. (laughs) Hello. Alright. So, there are several things we need to address here. First, the fact that God so loved the world. What was so extraordinary about this is that as Leon Morris puts it, the Jew was ready enough to think of God as loving Israel. But no passage appears to be cited in which any Jewish writer maintains that God loved the world. It is a distinctively Christian idea that God's love is wide enough to embrace all people. His love is not confined to any national group or spiritual elite. It is a love that proceeds from the fact that He is love. 1 John 4 verse 8 verse 16 And why God gave what was most dear to Him. Alright, there's a lot there. Can we just talk about it for a minute? Is that okay? Alright. This was a revolutionary thought. Remember, who is Jesus speaking to? A Jew. A ruling Jew. Hello. Okay. So, to this Jew, this didn't make any sense. This was like, what are you talking about? You've told us to, you know, be separate from them, keep yourself clean from them, stay away from them, don't marry them. You, you know what I'm trying to say? There's this been this whole thing up to then, don't have anything to do with them. And the Samaritans that happened to intermarry, boy, they got ostracized. Hence Jesus came and redeemed them. So we have the good Samaritan. Not the evil Samaritan. <laughs> okay? Because to them it was like, there's no such thing as a good Samaritan. And Jesus said, Jesus is trying to bring all this back now. He's saying, all the prejudices you've had have been wrong. Amen? You know, Jesus didn't mind. Well, how can you say that? Well, part of his lineage, you know, was a little questionable. You know, there was a place where there was this prostitute that kind of got in his lineage. How would Rahab get in there if God had such a big problem with people? Are you all with me? You see, God so loved everyone. Somewhere they missed that. And somewhere they just got so caught up in themselves that this would have just not made any sense at all. Nicodemus, uh, you got to feel for the guy. 
You know, Jesus is talking about getting born again. He's going, I don't know how I can get back in my mother's womb. Now he's talking about God so loved the world. He's going, you've got to be kidding. But they eat pork. <laughs> Hello, you know what I'm trying to say? Okay. <laughs> how can you like that? <laughs> okay. This is just too much for him. But Jesus is changing everything. He's getting them to turn right around and start seeing things in a different way. Amen? Let me just make one more statement. We'll finish this session and we'll pick it up in the next session. So notice again he says here that the Jew was ready enough to think of God as loving Israel, but no passage appears to be cited in which any Jewish writer maintains that God loved the world. None of their writings ever had this concept in it. All their oral laws, all the things that the law of the elders and, and, the, and you know, all of those things, nothing contained any thought of this kind. Do you understand? And so we need to understand that what Jesus is saying applies to us too. We need to be careful who we, once we become a Christian and once we start walking in the blessings of God, who we distance ourselves from and who we think we're better than. We need to be careful. This is a very slippery little snake. It gets in everywhere. Amen? You know, there's sometimes, because there is to be a time I used to correct everybody. Now I just, you know, do it if you believe that that's okay. If you ask me, I'll tell you. If God leads me to say something, I'll say something. But I have learned to just not jump in there about everything I know. Okay, that's just me. Okay, only because I've done all the wrong things. Okay, I, I might have gone the other way a little bit too much, but I think it's better a little bit more that way than this way. Because you irritate and upset people on this end. Okay, and, and so I've just learned it's just better to be the other way and just back off and just leave things be a little bit. And again, sometimes the opportunity presents itself. You know, it comes back around and then you know God's doing something and then that's the time to step in. Amen? But uh, we need to be tolerant and we need to be generous and we need to have an open heart. Amen? And we need to allow God to work through us, love through us, and bless through us. Amen? Whenever it's practical. I mean, sometimes I know it's impractical, and we need to deal with those situations separately, but I'm just saying as a whole, as a general thing. Are you all with me? Amen? Okay, we're going to stop there, and we'll pick this up in the next session.